Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. What's new, Derek? Well, actually, I have something new this week. You're ready for it, were you? <laughs> I was. I, I've been. I've been. Uh, uh, so remember, I uh, went on my little wee hike there. You did. Did a little up and down into and the, around into and the snowy coldness. hills. Yeah, yeah. The hills of Mordor. Yeah. So I, uh, I popped, pulled, broke something in my shoulder. Right. It's been killing me. So I uh, went and had it checked out yesterday. I've got, uh, uh, they set a couple technical things. I don't know, some AC, this, that, there, whatever. Anyway, so I started a physio. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I had my first physio yesterday and then get another one tomorrow. And Is it going to affect your paddling? And, uh, well, I, I don't think so. And neither is a physiotherapist, but, uh, this is, this was my big push. Normally I would just st- let stuff like this just go away on its own. But it's like I said to the guy, I said, uh, I got 10 weeks and I got to go do this little paddling thing, this little wee trip in the park. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, he said, well, we'll see what we can do, but, uh, it's not much time. I said, oh, I don't know, no problem, no problem. But it, it's, um, it should not affect my paddling. I, uh, I did some some practice paddling and stuff uh, on the weekend and just to see, uh, I used a, you know, a, a tensor bandage thing to, with a paddle tied to it. And so it, it's the return stroke is what was bothering me. But yeah, so, uh, so yeah, well, I'll see how, how strong I can make my shoulders by uh, by the time my wee little trip comes up. Sounds like somebody's getting old. I am. Derek's and, and getting old. I, I swear to God, I've had this conversation like, I don't know how many times in the last two or three weeks with people at work, with Siobhan, and it's like, man, I normally just bounce back from stuff. It's it's very clear now that I'm over 50. <laughs> your, your warranty ran out. Yes, my warranty has expired. Oh, wow. Sorry to hear that, man. Sorry to hear that. So, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping for the best. You're over the hill. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) We'll be planning your cemetery visit. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, It's all part of getting old, dude. Yeah. Take care care of it before it comes something surgery related. (laughs) So So. the physiotherapist was saying, okay, well, what's involved in this this thing you're doing in the spring? I said, well, it's... uh, Seven to ten days, about ten to fourteen hours a day of paddling. He's, his eyes like bugged out. He's like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, "What?" <laughs> well, there's walking involved too. There's walking involved too, but right. that's called portaging. Yes, and you got to pack on, <laughs> yes. and you got, and that's you know what? I ended up at physiotherapy two years ago yeah. because I got my big camera bag. I had my camera in it. I had my video kit, big video. Oh, okay. Uh, camera, everything in it. And I kept hanging the big bag off one shoulder. Oh. So I'm going up hills. And yeah. Through, through the woods and long river portages and stuff with this big bag constantly weighing down on my one shoulder. And I was ending up with like pain in my shoulder. It's like getting unbearable. So yeah. they went and checked it out and said, yeah, idiot. <laughs> Chain <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> well, see, this never bothered me until after I got back from the trip. Right. And, uh, as near as I can tell, so we got back at like midnight, one in the morning and, uh, my neighbor was away. So I had to park the, uh, the fun bus. So I thought, okay, I'm going to shovel the neighbor's driveway. Then I'll park the fun bus in the neighbor's driveway while he's gone. And I think after this wee hiking trip that I did, I think I hurt my shoulder shoveling his driveway. (laughs) 
I think that's what it was. <laughs> so the moral of the story is leave the snow where it lies. Yes. I Well, this, it was a... No good deed goes unpunished. We returned during the snowstorm. So there was like a foot and a half of snow in the neighbor's driveway. So well, I, I wouldn't have been able to get the get the fun bus into the neighbor's driveway. Well, you would have been able to get in. <laughs> Just wouldn't have been able to get it out. <laughs> I'll take care of that because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff yeah. to be done this summer. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Lots of stuff. Yeah. So I'm learning stuff now. I'm learning about how to condition my shoulders and my uh, my upper and lower back and stuff like that. So so it's good. I'm uh, I'm doing a lot of uh, research. Um, the physiotherapist has given me a bunch of stuff to work on, and so cool. yeah. Well, so you know, it's educational. Educational. <laughs> good, good. So you'll be rip raring to go come paddle season. Yeah, June first. June first. Yeah, May. Well, no, my wee trip is... Are you not going paddling before that? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wow. not, nothing... Massive. Know, yeah, nothing massive. You need a, a, a loosen up session. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's... The, we we got to get together and do a weekend uh, trial stuff gear and get everything dialed yeah. in, right? So... Yeah, no, you're, you're just... Your first canoe trip of the year is going to be the... <laughs> The big one. Probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's call a spade a spade, buddy. Yeah. We know it. You know it. We all know it. Yeah. Um, Nothing new. Well, there's new stuff with me, but we're going to hear about that probably next week. I yeah. did the canoe copia. We run. need some time for canoe copia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So next week's going to be all about canoe copia. Yeah. This week, however, is part two of our Quiet Water Symposium show. Mm-hmm. Um, as there, you know, if you listen to last week's show... The previous weekend, we spent at Quiet Water Symposium in Lansing, Michigan, and we sat. We had a booth. Yeah. They, they gave us a booth there when we took our entire studio down, set it up, and we were sitting down with people and doing interviews. And we did. We have three more interviews, which we did, and we're going to uh, play them this week. Uh, let's see. We got Mike Van Horn of the West Michigan Coastal Kayakers Association. Uh, we chatted with him about what they do. We have Rob Kesselring and Sue Plankus. They just paddled the lower canyons of the Rio Grande along the Texas-Mexico border. And like they were just fresh back, so they still had their nice brown tan. Yeah, they're still tan. And, yeah. and Rob even says, yeah, we're still brown. <laughs> right? That's how fresh <laughs> yeah. they are back. Uh, and then we end up with uh, Tim Galloway, who actually I saw at Canoe Copia. Uh, fr- he's from Kayak USA. Q-A-J-A-Q, USA. Yeah. And he talks all about Greenland paddling. Mm -hmm. He he even speaks to us some, gives us some of the terms in Greenlandic. Yeah. So so the who's that we're going to listen to today and uh, yeah, uh, might as well just jump right in and here's Mike Van Horn. Uh, we are now sitting with our next guest of the day, it's Mike Van Horn. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. And Mike, you're with the West Michigan Coastal Kayaker Association. Yep. So we're a small nonprofit club based out of West Michigan. Uh, we go at, uh, kayak primarily on big water, so the big lakes, some even ocean. Some of us do those extra trips. Uh, our focus is to promote paddling and paddling skills. Um, so every month from May until October, we get together, but our big event is over Memorial Weekend. And uh, one of the things we do to serve the paddling community is we host uh, a symposium over Memorial Weekend. Okay. And uh, its focus is for beginning to intermediate paddlers. So our goal is to get them more comfortable in the water, 
uh, get them to be more efficient in their paddling and to feel more safe and confident so that I mean, a lot of folks these days, they start in a wreck boat, they maybe do some interlake paddling or they go to some rivers uh, and they look out at the big water and go, that kind of looks a little scary. You know, I mean, Lake Superior, Lake Michigan, they have their own attitudes and they can change on a dime. So what we work with them is if they have an interest to get into those skills and the types of boats that allow them to be safe and confident uh, out on the bigger waters of Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, Lake Huron, etc. And many of our trips also are on those big lakes. So over the weekend, we focus on uh, basic paddling strokes, getting in and out of your boat safely. Um, most people find it's much easier to get out of their boat, a little bit easier to get yes. back into your boat. Yes. So we practice that. Uh, we focus on what's called bracing, meaning being able to you know, recover if waves hit you from one side to the other. And if you're really adventurous, we even have instructors that will work with you on rolling. Because oh, uh, okay, the ultimate yeah. way yeah. to get out of your boat is to never get out of your boat. If you <laughs> roll over and roll back up, you're in good shape. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Uh, so we start on the Friday of Memorial Weekend. We instruct all day on Saturday, all day on Sunday. Uh, we have food service provided, so it's nice. You can come off the water hungry, which you will, right? and come into a nice dining experience, have a meal as a community. Um, we have presentations at night, fireside chats, and um, just have a great time. And hopefully when people leave, they, again, feel more comfortable and confident uh, being out of the water. And uh, many of them come back year after year and advance their skills every year. Uh, including uh, one of our classes we offer is a BCU three-star level course that happens over on Lake Michigan. Now, what is BCU? BCU is the uh, British Canoe. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble there. Somebody is, my team will be very upset with me because I can't remember the (laughs) year. Somebody somebody Google that quick and we'll see if we can get to, yeah. Bonnie Perry is actually going to yell at me for not remembering Uh what the BCU is. I'm sorry. Well, that's that's on me. If I'd have done my homework, I think I would have been. Okay, so. We can th- edit a lot of this out, too. Yeah, there are three of us rapidly searching. That's what I thought. British but Canoe Union. Uh, so there's there's two, two major organizations that focus on uh, certifications and teaching. In the U.S., it's the American Canoe Association. So you'll hear ACA used. Right. And then there's also a group. Uh, primarily based in Great Britain, called the British Canoe Union, as I'm looking down at my phone real quick. <laughs> uh, both of them have certifications. Both of them provide phenomenal skills and training. No, you're, you're going to be served well going to either one, but some right. folks tend to have an affinity for one group Got more it. than another. For instance, uh, in BCU, if you think of coastal, New England, coastal um, United Kingdom, Great Britain, they're into uh, rocky shores and getting into seaways and and all of that. So they they tend to be a little bit more in that space. The ACA obviously does a phenomenal job supporting canoeing, but also supporting kayaking. So they're uh, probably open to more uh, waterways in general in terms of their support. But either one, um, all of our instructors are either ACA or BCU certified. So they're the right people out there to work with you. Um, So it's just a lot of fun. You come out, uh, you meet people, like-minded folks that like to, I mean, who doesn't like to camp, eat, and kayak? I mean, that's... (laughs) Well, kind, yeah. of the, kind of the trifecta, if you think about it. So, so there, there's a company that that we, well, Derek's been with, up uh, in Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, Madawaska Canoe Center. Yes, and it's, uh, it sounds like it's the same sort of thing. Sort of thing. Madawaska Canoe Center is teaching all whitewater. Right. And uh, so it looks like you have the same sort of like organization, but we're talking coastal, more sea and, kayak. And, yeah. So exactly. most of the boats that we work with are 15 feet and longer, Got sealed it. bulkheads front and back. So that again, if you do tip and roll or fall out, you're not emptying an entire 15-foot kayak. Yeah, uh, we do have 
uh, folks that come to us with you know what we call wreck boats, the smaller, rounder boats. Uh, they can start with those, but they're and, and they can have a good experience at our event, but they're going to find things like bailing out of your boat not nearly as much fun. As, a bit more work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if, uh, but it's instructional, so sometimes they come to us, and before they invest in what can be a significant amount of money in a bigger, longer kayak, yes, they kind of check us out and say, hey, is this what I want? And we do connect with outfitters so that if you don't have your own boat, maybe you can rent one for the weekend and come try the experience to see if this is something that you well, want to spend some more time That's what you mentioned earlier, like a try before you yeah, buy sort absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Now, the only difference between Madawaska Canoe Center and what you guys are doing is you guys keep your price points lower yes, for, for entry-level people yeah. that aren't too sure. We are, yeah, we're not a, we're not a for-profit. Um, we are, if yeah. we cover our expenses, that's all we're shooting yeah. for. And by partnering with Camp Pendaluan, which is the YMCA camp that hosts us, they also, you know, kind of serve the community. So we both work towards keeping it uh, a good, um, inexpensive way to get into the into the uh, experience and, and work at it. So, you know, for for you know, three hundred dollars covers instruction, lodging, and food for three days. Huh? And that's wow. You know, and there are there are other obviously symposiums and events. They're phenomenal go to. They tend to be a little bit more expensive, but they're also focusing on that more advanced paddler and maybe someone who's, you know, trying to really take the skills up a level. Exactly, so yeah. kind of try yeah. us out, get used to it, and say, hey, if this is a path I want to go down, I'll spend some time there. And then we're more than happy to kind of move them on to some of the other uh, opportunities that happen in the area. So it's a good, uh, good inexpensive place to start. Uh, we also, by the way, offer a, not only a adult, but a youth program. So many families come, they'll, they'll, the kid, they'll bring their kids. Um, the kids will work with a, a separate, entirely separate set of instructors. They have their own boats, their own gear. They go out and work on their basic skills while their parents are out learning their stuff. So it can really be in a family event. Right. Um, and the nice thing about being at this YMCA camp, which of course is very well tuned to young adults and youth, is that they, you know, they're on the water for an hour or two, which is more than enough for most kids before they want to come back. Then they'll go out and participate in camp. We have camp counselors there from the camp will then take the kids and take them on land and go do some of the quote unquote normal camp things. Right. So it keeps them busy and engaged. And then while their you know, parents are maybe out uh, getting into their uh, full instruction. And then they all come off the water at five o'clock and they eat everything that doesn't move. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, a hard day in the water always works yeah, up an you, appetite. Uh, everything tastes good at that yeah. point in time. Though it is good food. I don't want to yeah. discount that. But yeah, I could probably eat tree bark at that point in time and it probably <laughs> would taste okay. Well, you know what? I mean, this is the big thing that we're running into now is that everybody's looking for a way to get the families out, get them on the water. And I know myself, uh, I mean, Derek's got two young kids. Yes. So it's easy to just say, no, you're coming with, you know, <laughs> uh, you got no choice in the matter. And mine are, I mean, university, college. And it's just like now, I mean, with us, it's more of a schedule thing. But they've grown up doing all of that. Exactly. And now it's like, well, hey, I've got this weekend. I'm going to go on a new trip or something. You got time to come along? He's like, yeah, I'm off this weekend. Let's go. And, and it's, it's great. And the key thing is, as an, it's it's a phenomenal family event. Our youngest son has come to symposium a couple of times too. Now he's, I say youngest, and he's 26. So I mean, it's, <laughs> okay. it's a little different. You got me by uh, four. Yeah, <laughs> and, which but it's awesome. He he got a lot out of it. The main thing that we focus on is we we any outdoor activity is a good activity from yeah. our point of view. Our goal is that uh, we give you uh, confidence and uh, that you can go out and safely participate in some of these environments and. Um, you know, we do work with folks to try to get the message across that 
uh, you may feel good and solid in a wreck boat on a small lake, but it is a much different experience on Lake Michigan when yeah. the winds turn and all of a sudden you're in three to four foot waves. Oh, got it, yeah. And that's perfectly acceptable to paddle in as long as you have the right boat, the right skills, and that's what we try to support. Um, you know, I met a young couple here today that uh, walked up at our event and mentioned, hey, we're considering paddling across Lake Michigan from Milwaukee to Grand Rapids in a day. Um, hope that they absolutely have the right skills and gear and equipment been done nothing wrong with it it's a heck of an adventure or something to talk about as long as you're well prepared you have to be prepared yeah, for the um, risk evaluate the risk unfortunately if you're in, in any if you're active in this environment you've probably unfortunately heard the stories of folks that have gone out ill prepared and ill equipped yes. for a sudden change in weather yeah. um, my wife and i were out uh, uh, around pictured rocks actually okay. we were actually out of, i'm sorry at apostle isles out near the, uh, the archipelago in lake superior uh, hopping from Island Island and camping. And we were in the middle of July. It, the, wind, the wind temperature was 75 degrees. The water temperature was almost 50 on Lake Superior. Had a great time. So, unfortunately, saw folks out there in t-shirts and shorts and wreck boats. Yep. Came back off the shore after a couple of days and the wind shifted, moved out of the south, blew all that warm water out, and the surface to water dropped to 45 degrees overnight. Oh, wow. Wow. And that's the kind of thing you have to be ready for, as you see out there. Prepare to if you're going to go on the water, go on the water as if you're going to get wet. Exactly. If you're geared for that, then you're fine. And it's a great experience. I, I don't want to turn anybody <laughs> off in the conversation because, I mean, you paddle along pictured rocks. You go to Apostle Isles, Isle Royale, you know, the coast around Lake Superior, Lake Ontario, um, the, uh, the Lachenault Islands off the southern area of the lower peninsula or the upper peninsula. Amazing, beautiful experiences that you won't get anywhere else. That's that's the payoff. Yeah, well, I since we do this, you know, like we, we've talked about it, we're hardcore canoe trippers. Yes. And then last year I got a kayak, and I've been slowly getting into that. And there's a, a, a kayak canoe launch about five minutes from my house. So I can eat, if I get down there, and I look at Lake Ontario, mm-hmm. and it's like glass, off I go. Absolutely. But if it's not, then all of a sudden I'm doing a nice little river trip up and up the river in the kayak. And shelter. Sort of thing. Yeah. And in shelter, which having is that really flexibility nice. is amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, the way my wife and I got started in this is just we were up on Lake Superior uh, in Munising, Michigan, which is on the northern uh, coast of Upper Peninsula. And we're just, we're out, we'd, we'd rented a pontoon for half a day just to pedal around. And we're watching these boats and they're going in and out of all the nooks and crannies and they're going under this arch and back. And I thought, that's a whole different point of view that you would never see from almost any other vantage point. Oh, cool. right. Yeah, exactly. um, we, yeah. When we went up to, again, the Apostle Isles, which is that string of, if you think of Lake Superior and the wolf, it's yep, the mouth. The wolf it's, it's those those uh, island, or those islands are linked. And we're out on Devil's Island where there are there are 30 foot deep limestone caves that face out on Lake Superior that you can, on a clear, oh, calm wow. day, yeah. you can paddle into. And right. we are literally going in and out and backing into 30 foot deep caves. And it's like, where else and how else would you have that experience without yeah. sitting in a boat somewhere doing it? And yeah. it's amazing. And then, you know, we all know in this beautiful part of the country, in this continent, you then you can hike on shore and go out in the woods and have this equally good time. So it's just, it's a great place to be. Love the Michigan Well, it's fantastic. Area. Yeah. So, I, I know we did a, uh, a show where we were talking about the shipwrecks yes. in Lake Michigan and whatnot. And we're talking about it, and then we ended up up in Tobermory, yep. and we're we're sitting there over the shipwrecks up in Tobermory, and it's like this is just awesome. Exact same thing. Oh. You're paddling along, you know, if they've never seen pictured rocks uh, from the water, 
which is about the only way you can see it. And, and the way the, those rocks are, of course, they're north-facing, so they never get true sun on them. So they're always kind of wet and very colorful. Okay. And you're paddling along this national lakeshore, and you can look down in 35 feet of water and see the ribs of, of sunken ships. Yeah. That's an amazing you, view. With it the looks clear like you could reach your hand down and yeah. grab them. They yeah. look that yeah. close, but they're 35 feet down. That stretch from Pictured Rocks down to, I think it's Whitefish Point, near where the Edmund Fitzgerald went down, is yep. known okay. as the graveyard of the Great Lakes. And yes. Because these ships would all get blown up against the shore as they were going through storms. So, yeah, you're, you're paddling along and you just look down. And I've got pictures of just the ribs of ships down there as you're looking at it. So, and that's what I love about the kayak is it gives us that flexibility to go out in that environment and, uh, and just look around. So. Yeah, because there's definitely places that we wouldn't go in a canoe that are kayak accessible only and i enjoy exactly. canoeing and there's places i'd go in a canoe i'd never try to take a kayak in definitely it, 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 when you've got the skills and the experience you can you can suit that to the adventure that you want to have yeah and uh that's one of the reasons i like the event that we're at today too is exposing folks to all of the different opportunities just to be outside oh definitely i mean you're just walking around here and seeing all this stuff the different boats and i mean i've talked to people about this before and said, oh, you got to go and you see the handmade canoes and kayaks oh, and, and all that sort of stuff. And until you actually start seeing them, you're like, okay, this is this is awesome. We have a couple of members in our club who are who are craftsmen, true craftsmen, and do make their own boats. And uh, some of the most beautiful pictures I have are these, uh, where you know they they inlaid this Great Lakes oh, okay, map yes. in the front of their boat. Right, it's just. They're absolutely stunning. That's, that's when you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I think this winter my project is going to be a cedar trip canoe. And then you come here and see those, and you go, I think my project is just going to sit around and drink beer. I, if I could actually drive two nails straight, I'd give it a try. But I, I know, I know when I'm in over my head on that one. I'll I'll, uh, I'll work with uh, someone like uh, you know Power of Water and Lansing and buy the right boat there because. Yeah, if I could build it, I'd be holding onto a log is about as far as I get. Yeah. yeah. That's my skill yeah. level. There's my new canoe with that log yeah. over there. <laughs> yeah. And, but you've got, again, that opportunity where you can be on a large inland river, you can be on a large inland lake, you can head out to the Great Lakes. Um, it's just so many great experiences you can get into in water sports. And whether it's kayaking, canoeing, stand-up paddleboarding, uh, it, it's you can find something that fits your style you know, yeah. if yeah. you look through it. And for our organization, though, we do tend to be heavily focused on kayaking, and specifically ocean-style kayaking, boats that are 15 feet longer. Many of our members are, I mean, they pull up with a trailer to our events that has their, you know, their river kayaks on it, their you know, ocean kayaks, and their sup boards all together. And, you know, our, again, Lynn Dominguez, who's a phenomenal canoe instructor, uh, is, is as comfortable or more in her canoes than she is in her kayaks. Right, uh, and that's that's, a, that's an amazing uh, opportunity to have. So, now you also, I'm just looking at your brochure here, yep. uh, Neptune's Treasures. <laughs> so, um, it, there there is an addiction that can come with getting into outdoor sports. And that's to buying more toys. Has no. anybody ever experienced that? <laughs> uh, and sometimes you reach a point where you have enough toys that your significant other says it's time to get rid of some of those toys. <laughs> So we don't need negativity like yeah, that in our lives. I'm sorry. I know. Um, by the time you're finding room for the fourth boat, it might be an issue. So Neptune's yeah. Treasures is our, it's kind of our little mini swap meet we have during symposium where people can bring uh, older boats, uh, maybe some old, still well, well-worn equipment, but still usable because uh, we all do like our new shinies. And, uh, and that may bring another new paddler in who may... Oh, they're investing in a whole yeah. new dry suit, maybe, or a wetsuit. They may find one there for 25 bucks that they can 
link into. Uh, you'll see, we usually have six to eight to 10 boats for sale that people bring and if they can try to sell a boat. So it's somewhat informal, yeah, right. but we call it Neptune's Treasures. It's, it's uh, just little things they can come in and buy. That's um, awesome though. Yep. But yeah, if it gets somebody out into you know, a, a kayak or something for the first time there. Exactly. I mean, yeah, not everybody has all that money to drop on nope. something brand spanking new, right? And, no, and it's, exactly. Yeah, it's it can, well, like most uh, hobbies and sports, it can be as expensive as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things where when it comes to safety, we could, we get a, maybe a little hardcore about encouraging people to invest a certain okay. amount to make yeah. sure that they're uh, geared well to go out in exactly. the environment. Exactly. There's certain cheap gears that you really wouldn't want to take out of yeah. the water for risk of like the paddle breaking. Yeah. We, 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 again, the goal is not to scare but to inform. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. if they're a little nervous, that's okay. That means they've they've understood the opportunities and they're knowing what's out there. Yes. Um, and we want them to have a good positive experience on the Great Lakes. I mean, yeah. uh, along the west coast of Michigan, there are so many great places to launch from, whether it's Grand Hagen, Grand Haven, Muskegon, uh, South Haven, Saugatuck, you get up into you know Lake Ontario. I'd love to go out and launch from more along the upper coast around Toronto, et cetera. We've been in Lake Erie, we've been in Lake Huron. Um, one of our favorite paddles, uh, if you ever look, it's in this in the St. Mary's River there that separates the U.S. Canada. It's called Lime right. Island. It's a okay. little island that sits. It used to stand as a uh, it was a refueling point. So back when the uh, the freighters, okay. the Great Lakes were coal fired, they would stop there to refuel. Um, and so it's got a, it's, and now it's a state park in Michigan, but back then it was a, it, it was like an open area and you can only get there by boat. Uh, so right. we paddle over it and they've got small cabins you can camp in. But um, what they did is when it stopped being a refueling place, they, they turned it into a camping. And now the problem was here, there is an issue with Lion Island. It's a great place to go, but you gotta be careful with fire because uh, rather than take all that coal they didn't need anymore and ship it somewhere else, they decided it was much easier to crush it all up and just spread it across the island. Right. So it's wow. one of the camp one of the campgrounds that literally says, "Please don't build a fire anywhere else other than a fire pit." You can literally walk along and find lumps of coal spread all across the island. Oh, that's that'd be kind of cool to find. Yeah, as long as you don't drop a match. Of course, to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You could yes, actually yes, yes. be accused of burning down the entire island yeah. if you weren't careful. That'd be one big barbecue it would but what is so cool is you're sitting on the as you're sitting up camp there and we we load our boats we cross the river and we camp out of our boats there is you're sitting on the island and you're relaxing you're looking west the sun's going down and then all of a sudden you start to feel this thrum come through the ground and it's the freighters oh, that are still passing yeah. and they pass right in front of lime island all right. so you can feel them before yeah. you actually see them and it's, it's just a, such a cool experience. And they all, you know, you, you can wave out to them. And um, it's just a, 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 another, again, experience you wouldn't necessarily be able to have without a little bit of skill, a little bit of good gear, yeah. and some opportunity to go out and adventure. Right. Uh, so it's, again, one of the trips we often do as part of our club. So, so many, so we run out of places to go before we run out of things to do. <laughs> area, which is a nice problem to have. It is, it is. <laughs> so. so your 30th annual Coastal Kayaking Symposium. Correct. May 24th to 27th of yep. 2019, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you registration up until? Yeah, pretty. We, we do accept, uh, you know, literally walk-ups that day, though. We do ask you, if at all possible, to please register in advance because we do provide food service. Right. So we've got to give the camp time to make sure they got enough food. Uh, and for the most part, folks do. So registration actually opened today. In, oh, today well, there in you go. this world, uh, depending on when this podcast released. <laughs> well, today you know, we're, was we're in the, we're on we're on March second today <laughs> yeah. uh, as to when we'll release. 
and we'll we'll run res registration all the way through towards the end of May. Okay. Um, it can be uh, we again it can be relatively inexpensive in that if you're a member. If you bring your own food and you sleep out of a tent, you can enjoy the entire experience for about 140 bucks. Um, if you use one of our cabins and you sign up for the food, you can get uh, yeah. two close to three. But even there, uh, I would kind of encourage the food service if only because after you've spent three hours in the water, having to come off the water to as cook your own lunch. somebody else do all the thinking yeah. and cooking. <laughs> and, yeah. Let you focus on the experience, let someone yeah. else do it. But yeah. um, registration is open now. Um, we have folks that come from all, literally all over the U.S. Uh, we get a lot of folks out of Chicago, but we have folks that come in from the Carolinas really? that, oh, wow. that come into this event. It's, it's yeah. really of that quality. And it's, it's an interesting mix of small in that a lot of instructors and you know, 70, 80 people, and yet the quality of the instruction is such that you really, I don't think you'd go to any other places, certainly not for that amount of money and get that quality of instruction. Oh, right. It's very amazing. informal. Now you have a featured guest speaker, Trey Roos? Yep, Rubs? Trey Roos, who's actually, uh, again, sorry folks for those who are out in the ether not seeing us, <laughs> but Trey is actually here. So yeah. if you go to the other end of this hall, okay. Power of Water in Lansing. Okay. So he's he runs that um, shop. Right. Trey has been um, is extremely active in the paddling community and uh, focuses on, again, both river and lake. Uh, he run, His shop in Lansing has some of the best boats around. And uh, he goes out to, he takes trips to like Tybee Island and uh, down near Savannah, Georgia, up in Maine. So Trey would, Trey also supports uh, an event. Uh, um, he has a symposium he works at. I would call that the next level of symposium. So let's say Got you it. came to West Michigan's symposium for a couple of years and really felt like you wanted to move up to, let's call it the big leagues. I mean, we're, you know, we're, these are the guys, they'll, they'll get into the title races around the rocks in Maine, and that's their idea of a good time. Right. Uh, but that's the skill level they move towards. They get into kayak surfing, where you're literally taking your 14, 15-foot boat and riding waves. Right. Oh, um, yeah. So when you want to get into that, Trey and his team and their events, uh, I actually call it the Gales, I'm sorry. It's up actually up around Mesick and uh, on Lake Superior. It's kind of that next level. Okay. So Trey Trey supports us. He's one of our instructors. He's going to be one of our, he's going to be our guest speaker. And then you know we kind of support his world by encouraging people if you want to go to the next level, there yeah. are places where you can go. They nice. teach you not to die. Yeah, or <laughs> or, is, yeah. or to die as little as possible yes. might yes. be a better yes. way. Yeah. Um, you know, his in that world, you you definitely need uh, really the right equipment, really the right boat, but you can do some amazing things with with those kinds of skills. And um, so that's that's their world. Yeah. Uh, so Trey, Trey has been kind enough to kind of share some of those experiences. And the idea is, again, those folks that may have been with us the first or second time, that may seem out of their realm, but hopefully with, again, some experience and confidence, they can see where they could participate in yes. that if they want to. Great. Yeah. Uh, if Perfect. they want to keep coming to ours, we're more than happy to continue to have them. Some, yeah. we've had, I've been with the club probably eight years now, uh, and I've seen people come back every year to our symposium, maybe to keep their skills up, but also because they just enjoy the environment, the people they meet and work with. So nice. it's a great time. Yeah. Sounds like it's uh, a lot of fun, that's yep. for sure. So West Michigan Coastal Kayakers yep. Association. So we have a site. Uh, it's We tried to shorten it because that's a lot to type in in a URL. <laughs> so if you go to WMCKA, we call it WIMCA, is our short term for it, WMCKA.org. Um, that's our website. Uh, all the information is there. There's also uh, a short video about the campsite, the environment, and the activities. And if you're interested, you can 
sign up for as much as you want there. There's also a couple of places to leave messages, and, and that'll get to one of us to answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, right. So we just want folks to experience the outdoors, uh, challenge themselves to maybe do things they didn't think were necessarily up, open to them, but try it. Right. And we'll make sure it's a good, fun, safe environment for them to experiment that in and see where else Impressive. they want to go out on yeah. the water. Because so. nothing like having a bad experience just to cut somebody right out. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. You, there's too many great opportunities to not... Uh, and not be ready to grab whatever you can. Yeah. I think that's that's what we want to do. We have you know, we've had folks come and go. You know, maybe this isn't quite right. Great, you figured that out on a nice big lake with people helping you and coaching you. Yes. And decided this isn't the fit. There's you know, grab a sutboard, grab a canoe, go hike a trail. Fine, go out yeah. and just do something. But you figured it out in a good place before you spend uh, yeah. a ton of money, a ton, ton of money, time, ton of money. Yeah. Or you decide that you're just going to head out that little channel onto the Great Lakes, and the wind turns the wrong way, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're starting to see the spires of Chicago, and that's probably not where you were planning to go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that's kind of what we're working for. We're here to have fun, fellowship, uh, a family experience with the adults and the kids, and uh, yeah, enjoy the great outdoors because. This area of the country, Michigan, Southern Canada, more of your guys' home, yeah. Minnesota. I mean, what a great place to be. Definitely, definitely. All right, and I will go and I'll grab that uh, YouTube video and we'll post I'll that on our that Facebook link. page Perfect. and yes. let people check that. it out. And uh, this has been great. I appreciate you know talk about it all day long. That's not a problem. Well, we love to hear about yeah. it. This is a opportunity for us to share our experiences with our listeners and and to find new experiences new possibilities yep. because somebody might be listening right now not even knowing that that was an opportunity right exactly. so it, we'd love to share stuff like this and if if there's no other encouragement other than get out in the outdoors and find what your thing exactly. is if yeah. we're your thing awesome come on yeah. in just find it yeah it's yes. out there for you yes. so get out and enjoy it's all part of the get outside you got it. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very and, much. Uh, John, Derek, appreciate your time. Enjoy your Excellent. podcast. So thank you. Thanks a lot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. So now we are back with a couple other people that have been doing some tripping here. We are with Rob Kesselring and Sue Plankus, and they have just come back from the lower canyons of the Rio Grande next to the Texas and Mexico border. So you guys were kayaking, canoeing? Uh, we were in canoes, we're both guides, and we were taking two groups down back to back. So we just got off a few days ago. So you haven't been back very long. No, we're still brown. So how long How long <laughs> were you on the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice tans, yeah. How long were you guys on the river? Go ahead, Sue. We were eight days on the river for each time. Um, the shuttles in are quite long on the days at each end of the trip, but it's seven nights on the river. Um, oh, wow just doing camping along the side at some of the designated sites, designated in the sense that they're good campsites, but um, generally you can camp wherever you want along the river. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, in 16 days of paddling, we only saw one other paddler. So wow. it really is, uh, when you consider 2,000 foot canyons, hot springs, uh, amazing wildlife, 
It's a, it's really a, a hidden treasure, maybe at least until this podcast. Until now, everybody's <laughs> gonna know about it. That's incredible for an area like that. That there's uh, that not very many paddlers. Like you'd expect more paddlers, and well, I think people are afraid of the remoteness of it for one thing, because the extraction from the lower canyons is almost impossible if you have a problem or you oh, lose a boat. Oh, okay. Right. And then there's a lot of uh, publicity about the friction between America and Canada. No, not Canada. <laughs> we, we weren't aware of that. <laughs> no, this, I got my wall fixed up there. Yes, the snow wall. The snow wall versus the... No, but there's a, so there is some uh, uh, fear about some people about uh, paddling right on the border. Oh, we, okay. Yeah, we're right. often in Mexico. And I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, how many times... We can go to Mexico... Uh, 25 times in a week. <laughs> back and forth, <laughs> back and forth, yeah. Yeah. Now, we were talking earlier there, Rob, about, uh, you know, most people like to do the Grand Canyon, but not so much the Lower Canyon. Right. And why is that? Well, about a million people see the Grand Canyon. Oh, I think three million people go to the Grand Canyon, and less than 100 this year will paddle by canoe the Lower Canyons of the Rio Grande. So right. That's the difference. And you just you just think it's because of the remoteness and, and all that sort of thing, right? Sue keeps nodding, but she has a Canadian <laughs> accent. She's born in Canada. She's a Canadian. So maybe I'll let her talk a little more because it'll, it'll fit in more with your listening ears. So tell about the canyon. Well, the canyon is really remote in the sense of just getting to it. Right. It's way in the deep end of the states down in Texas. And then it's quite a long shuttle drive just to get to the put-in. Um... The canyons are amazing. You have these walls of stone up above you that are carved in beautiful figurines of 2,000 feet. Um, But I think it is that remoteness that allows not too many people to be there. Versus a Grand Canyon has highways and buses and things like that. People are able to get to it easier. There's a whole... Uh, the permit system there is really hard to get a permit there. Um, we, of course, do have to get permits for the lo- for doing this portion of the Rio Grande River uh, as guides. So you do have to do that, but uh, there's just not a lot of people there. Right. So what's the uh, what's the character of the river in that area? Like, I'm familiar with seeing the main canyon upriver, but like in the lower canyon, it's is it you still have a lot of the white water, or is it a lot more flat water, or like, well, you might be confusing the Colorado River, which flows through the Grand Canyon, with the it. Rio Grande River, which flows through the Lower Canyon. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Both the Rio Grande and the Colorado start in a similar place, but uh, the Rio Grande goes uh, southeastwardly and the Colorado goes southwesterly. So, uh, and the Colorado, even though it doesn't have a lot of water in it, the Rio Grande, by the time it gets to the, where we ra- run it, very low on water. In fact, it's running at 150 uh, cubic feet a second. Oh, that's so pretty low. Very low. But enough water, if you're a, if you're used to paddling the boundary water and traveling light, it's enough water. And then there's springs all along the river, which are really exciting too. I mean, how often can you pull up to a bubbling spring and fill up your Nalgene bottle? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely pure water. Some of that water hasn't been out on the surface for a thousand years. So that's pretty exciting. It's hot water too, so you can bathe in it. It's really fun. It is, and so as you travel along the river where these hot springs start to come in, our CFS goes up from the 158 that we started at um, towards our ending when we take out, it's about 480. 
at wow. least during oh, okay, this yeah. trip. So it gains a lot of water as you go yeah, along you go and along. from those hot springs feeding in right. from both sides of the river. But it seems to be a lot of the Mexican side that it comes in at. Cool. So when you guys are heading down that way, where do you, you fly into? Well, we drive, but a lot of our, our crew, our participants, our clients, uh, fly into Midland, Texas, or or El Paso, Texas, okay. and then rent a car to get to Terlingua, Texas, and then we take the sh- uh, four-hour shuttle. shuttle to that we wow, uh, put in. Uh, yeah, that's quite the trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps the riffraff out. Well, <laughs> and that's probably why there's only like a hundred or so people a year paddling that area. Yeah. Now, when you're going down the country, now we've talked about different spots uh, going down to Lake Mead and stuff like that, where there's the smaller canyons that go off to the side for a little exploration. Is it the same sort of thing going through there? Lots of little, like, if you're going from point A to point B in eight days, is there ways to make it last longer because you can do little offshoots or... Talk about the slot canyons and the dinosaur tracks and mm-hmm. the Aboriginal caves with oh, stone... Well, we have uh, used a, a guidebook that was printed back in, the, say, the 70s, as well as talking to other river guides and learned about different places to stop along the river to see and explore it. Right. There's places where uh, a very old cave is there, and you can see where the stone has been worked to uh, grind um, grain. So that's a really neat place. We did just find this time the spot where there's some dinosaur tracks and some hard, very obviously hardened stone. But you can see a distinguishing three-toe mark of an animal that had gone across. Uh, Various slot canyons along the way to explore. And then one of the things we love to do, it's just below the upper Madison Falls, is a place called El Burro, which is about a... 45 minute climb up this this trail to a you're probably 15 1800 feet above the river looking down directly over the river it's a beautiful view and an amazing climb so those are some of the things you can make your trip longer than what we do make it well that's actually an old uh, mining trail mm-hmm. that has been minimally maintained so it's 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 part of the adventure of the Rio Grande going up some of these places and the, the slot canyons require some scrambling but you get to the end there might be a pool of uh, catchment of rainwater that you can take right. a little skinny dip in or, or whatever this this has been a it's an adventure every day every day is different on the Rio Grande well that's pretty cool because it's not like you're just going okay we're putting in here we're ending here and you just do a a river travel if you can add extra little bits like that it makes your, your trip that much more exciting right Yes. Which is which is which is cool. We discovered a new rapid too this year. Just tell us how tell tell them about our rapid. Well, the Robin Sioux rapid. Right. Well, this last fall there was a big flood on the Mexican side that has caused a lot of the slot canyons to release mud and stones down into the Rio Grande River. Right. And there was this one place between. Um, Lower Madison Falls and Panther Rapids, right in the middle, where uh, a, a canyon from the Mexican side had released a torrent of rocks that filled in to the Rio Grande oh, River wow. and have made a new set of rapids. And we did end up running it, but from now on, we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> Sue said to me, I think we should look at this one from shore. And I said, I think we can run it. 
and we ran it and then we quickly jumped out of our canoe and stopped anyone else from coming down it because it's a very tight tight line right but we were happy to run it and leave it that way yes <laughs> you can say you did it and no one else needs to <laughs> exactly so how long have you guys been uh, tripping oh gosh since she was a little toddler, I think. Yeah, a lot of tripping, yes. I started when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you were a late bloomer. Late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're all over the place, all over the States and Canada. and Yeah, Panama. We've already been, this. I know it's only the beginning of March, and we've already been, what, a week in uh, Costa Rica, sea kayaking, a uh, week in eight days in Panama, the San Cunayala, sea kayaking with a group. And then two Rio Grande trips, so we got uh, a lot of time on the water. Yeah. And it's not even—it's uh, still ice up in Canada. So oh, that's awesome! Yeah, Costa Rica seems to be a big spot for people to go. Yeah, it's a great. Spot. Uh, kayaking and kind of paddle boarding, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I hear a lot of people heading to Costa Rica. Yeah, and really a friendly clientele, uh, friendly people down there, and really focused on kind of a, they got the green revolution before anyone else. Back right. in the '70s, they really pushed. Tourism, and they're totally energy, safe energy, kind of great, great country, great people. And a nice place to go, great scenery. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. A lot of different biomes, you know, in one day you can travel from tropical rainforest to almost a, not, not alpine, but a, definitely a, a mountain pine forest kind of hill. Right, that's awesome. And so you, ha- you have your guide service? Yeah, it's, it's like a guiding, a guiding company it's business. Guide sir, what's my motto? Guide service anywhere. Guide service anywhere. So anybody can get a hold of you and say, "Here's yeah, where I want to go." We are absolutely booked up, though. We have uh, no room, so this is not an advertisement. <laughs> There's no room just at the end. Get off your couch and just find your own way to get there. Awesome. <laughs> so where where else are you going this year? Uh, we're going to go back to Alaska for a trip uh, north of the Arctic Circle on the Noatak River. Amazing. Anyway, we've got some boundary water Quetico trip. And uh, last year we were up in uh, the Talton River okay. in the Canadian Northwest Territories. We spent three weeks up there. So, yeah, the summer there's no end of places to go. Canada oh. is the ultimate paddling destination that's for playground, three months. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, thanks for coming on. I hope you guys have a great time uh, this summer because we're going to be sitting here just thinking, wow. We'll, we'll have to. Jealousy. Now, is there, is there any way for us to follow or, or see yeah. your trips and how you do things? Sure. My webpage. Okay, perfect. Yeah. RobKesselring.com. That's R O B K E S S E L R I N G.com. I'd love to have a, some followers. That'd be yeah. great. Well, we'll throw it onto our uh, Facebook site and all that so that people can actually check you out and they can all be jealous as well. Great. <laughs> well, we, are, we really appreciate it. We're, we're right next to you guys at the show. And yeah, we really, really appreciate yeah. the invitation to get on, on air with you. Not a problem. Perfect. We can spread the show. word of people coming out and having the fun that you guys are having, then so be it. That's what it's all about, right? It's great. Just keep on paddling. Keep yes. on paddling. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Hello, folks. This is David Bain of the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. You can find us at www.ontariobackcountrycanoe.ca. You are listening to Sean and Derek on Paddling Adventures Radio. Welcome back. So our next guest uh, was recommended to us by our buddy Alan Drummond from Kingdom Outdoors. He said you got to go talk to this guy if you want to hear about Greenland and Greenland paddling and Greenland kayaks. And so we hunted him down and (laughs) now he's here. I'm here. So, Tim Galloway from Kayak USA, welcome yeah. to the show. That's great to be here, guys. 
Now, kayak is Q-A-J-A-Q. Yeah, yes not, it is. Not as we usually know with a K. That, that confuses a lot of people. What's Quadrac USA? Quajacus. <laughs> Quajac. <laughs> yeah, so what is Quajac? Quajac. Uh, so Kayak USA is a, uh, well, first off, kayak itself. Kayak, spelled with a Q, is the Danish spelling of a Greenlandic word. So it then got changed to the K and the Y somewhere. It got anglicized. Um, so anyway, Kayak USA uh, is a non-profit, volunteer-run organization, and our whole goal is to teach as many people we can about traditional Greenland-style kayaking, the use of traditional equipment and culture, and spread kayaking love through the U.S. and the awesome. basically it. Now, we, we had a little chat before this, mm -hmm. and uh, you were told over the internet to throw some Greenland words out there. Yeah. So, I'm not Greenlandic at all. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. So, you just any, spent time it, there. Yeah. If, if it any it makes us sound worldly if you do stuff. If, if, any of, <laughs> if any of my Greenlandic friends are listening to, to this, I apologize. I'll, I'll probably butcher it. But um, I, I know a lot of the Greenland uh, kayaking specific uh, words. Like the, the one that um, people always tend to be surprised by is Ashlonayakatanok. Uh, and that means games played using a harpoon line. Okay. Um, but then, uh, and most of them I know are technique based or kayak related based. Like um, the isafik is the, the beam that goes behind you in a kayak. Masik is the one that goes across your knees. Um, uh, Paltik is a paddle. Patit is plural of paddle. Let's see, what else? Um, oh, this is a good, this is a really important one. Uh, it's kasuta. Don't die? Cheers. Oh. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, so if you, if you know Kasuta for cheers and Koyamok, uh, which is thank you, and Ishishlu, uh, which is you're welcome, you're good. You're, you're good. good. <laughs> yep. That's like traveling we're anywhere. Going, we're going to Greenland, buddy. <laughs> yeah. If you learn those few things, and in any language, you'll get yeah. by. And smile, Excellent. you'll be fine. So you, when we were chit-chatting chit before the show there, you were in Greenland yes. for a race. Uh, it's a lot more than a race. Okay, so explain. Yeah. Okay, so every summer, uh, a group called Kanak Katufia, which is the Greenland National Kayaking uh, Association, they put on an event. It's usually 10 days, two weeks long, uh, peak of summer, usually in July. And kayak clubs from all across Greenland, mainly West Greenland, gather together and they have a competition. And each day is broken into a different event. So let me see if I can remember all of them. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, the one that gets the most press is rolling, okay. so kayak rolling. So there's Great. about 34 different methods on the list for rolling. So techniques of using a paddle in different ways, rolling so you end up playing backward on the kayak or forward on the kayak, rolling without the paddle. Uh, the really famous one is uh, rolling with your arms crossed across your chest. Call that the straight jacket roll. Oh, okay. I don't remember the Greenlandic name for it, but uh, I know I think four people in the world that can do this, and it's it's a it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, and it's just think about it. You know, you're, and, you're, and I'm sitting here with my arms crossed. I'll tell you, I'm you, not one of the you, four. You wouldn't be able to get out of your chair, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I could fall out. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it just it shows it's kind of the pinnacle of rolling because it shows that you don't need your hands, you only need your body to roll. Yeah. That's kind of the whole idea of Greenlandic kayaking, is using your body, yes. using your own buoyancy, using your flexibility. Right. So, anyway, so rolling, um, first uh, of the events, then there's a short distance race, usually like five or six kilometers. There's a long distance race, which is about 20 kilometers. 
there's a relay race, you know, three people on a team, and then there's something called a, uh, and you guys are Canadian, right? Yes. Yeah. You're gonna get after me for this portage race. Oh, oh portage. the portage race. Portage race. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I, so I did a trip years ago going um, from Sault Ste. Marie to Quebec City right. in my sea kayak. And so I did a lot of portaging, which is not portaging, because portaging is when you make it look good. <laughs> also, then we're portagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, portaging is when it's tough. Right? Okay. Uh, so there's a portage race, and that was, when I raced, was a five-kilometer loop. Then you get out, get on land, hoof it about 300 meters, get back in the water, do that 5K loop, do that 300 meters on shore again, wow. and then back in the water and around the finish line. I've never been more destroyed after a kayak race than <laughs> wow. that, that one. So that was brutal. Um, and then there's harpoon throwing for distance and accuracy. Okay. That's a traditional skill, you know, being able to hunt from your kayak. And then the last one is Greenland rope gymnastics or Ashlonayakatanak. Now that's the rope that you have at your booth. Yes. Yeah, so that's the thing that kind of looks like a hammock, but just made out of a pair of hanging ropes. Well, and that, I was I was uh, comparing it to the slack line. Yeah, slack line. Except yeah. a lot slacker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. why I like to say hammock. Hammock, yeah. Because it looks more like a hammock. And really, it's it's less slack line because you don't walk on it. Right. The, the way I would describe it is more of uh, aerial power yoga. Well, you guys have a little... Um, a little pamphlet thing over there with all these little pictures on it yeah there's got to be what at least 20 30 photos uh, there's I think for ropes there's 28 moves for low ropes which we have set up over there right and it, wow. it's different hanging different sittings uh, mm-hmm. everything's a different position yeah. hanging off these ropes yeah. yeah and I'm sitting there going like okay. what's this what, what, yeah well, and that's, uh-huh. that's it like what, what's the purpose of it so uh, the name again Ashulanayakatanak means games using a harpoon line Right. So the probably apocryphal story behind it is that some hunter somewhere in Greenland uh, was on shore and they strung up their harpoon line to dry and someone came along and sat on it or did a flip or did something that looked really cool and someone else came come up and said, I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and a sport was born. Yes. Yeah, so it's part sport, part, part exercise, um, training, but also it's a lot of fun. You get you know three or four guys around that have a beer. Oh man, you have a riot. Ground route sports like that, like uh, you know, like dog sled racing or yeah. rabbit sled racing and stuff like that. That's that's <laughs> where. <Rabbit sled>. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something new we're working on. Okay, I, I look forward to seeing the, uh, the media blast about that. One. Oh th- yeah, from next door you mean? From next, yeah, yeah. Yes, we're gonna yes. go over there and look for some Flemish giants. <laughs> That's apparently that's that's the uh, rabbit of choice because they're like it's a gigantic rabbit. Oh yeah, a, a child could ride one. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, we digress. Anyway, uh, so anyway, yeah, those are the the events and yep. it's broken up into uh, age limit age divisions. You know, so it, it goes down to like four and five year olds, which okay. is amazing, and and then up to however old anybody is. You know, yes. right, and broken into 10, 20 year groups. Um, and then men and women, and also international divisions. So I was in the international division, um, and for the most part, I was schooled in everything. But those Greenlanders are so good. They're fast, they're strong, um, and just their technique is amazing. 
really, really good competitors. Right. So how did you do? Uh, enrolling was probably the best event. I, I came in fifth or sixth overall. So I was, okay. I was really happy with that. I got about 180 points, 186 points. Um, the winner, a guy named uh, Ari Yusufson, he got 304 points. Wow. He was doing, and the, <laughs> I've got some amazing video of him too, rolling, where he uh, did a really tough technique where you roll with the paddle under your kayak. Okay. Oh, wow. And you have to skull huh. to, to lift your, to roll yourself around. It's, it's beautiful to watch when someone does it right. Huh. Uh, he did it one way and came up and the crowd kind of cheered. And then he set up to do the other way and he put on this huge cheesy grin and just slowly capsized over underwater and then just smoothly came up big smile still on his face and like and that more than anything was like they're they're so passionate about their own history yes right that's that's really what uh, kind of made the event so special for me is uh, watching yeah. everybody else compete but you went you had fun and now yeah. how many times have you been that that was my first and only time so far and only time Are you only go time. back absolutely yeah practice yeah. what now when was this this was last summer this okay. was uh, july of last summer so just recently yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Six, yeah. seven, eight months or something now. So wow. you're gonna go again? This, like this year? Not this year. No, I've uh, I've got a house I'm working on. Uh, <laughs> so okay. I'm trying to get that sort of yeah. that. And and really, that's a big um, that's a, one of the big tough parts about traveling to Greenland to compete. I mean, because I know loads of paddlers who are amazing paddlers and they love the traditions, but it's really expensive to get there. Right. Um, yes. I guess a reference. So you can either fly to Greenland from Iceland right. or from Denmark. That's about it. Okay. And my wife and I went to Iceland together, and then uh, she flew to Paris while I went to Greenland. <laughs> I know, right? And us to get to Iceland, her to go to Paris and home, and me to and from Iceland was less, between the two of us, was less than me going from Iceland to Greenland and back. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just because there's, there's one airliner that really services all of Greenland, Greenland Air, and they don't have a lot of planes. And they don't really have a lot of traffic. I mean, there's not a lot of people making that route. So it's tough to get there, and it's, it is the edge of the earth. Now, you took your own kayak. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and you had to cut it into four sections? Yeah. And you rebuilt it <laughs> there. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Tell us more about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, in case you can't tell from my voice, um, I'm about 6'5", right. about 200 pounds. So... I'm a roughly eight inches or a foot taller than the average Greenlander. Okay. And I'm pretty tall. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't be able to fit really in any kayak I found there very well. Because the kayaks are all built to fit the paddle. Okay. And there's not many six foot five Greenlanders. So um, I built a kayak. It's over at our booth right now as a test. It's a prototype. Right. I built another one kind of a bit bigger, a bit more rocker to you know, handle the ocean better. And then I, I uh, dry fitted it all together. So I cut the lashings that hold it all together, I, I pulled the pegs out, and I ended up with two really long boards for the gunnels and the, the chines and everything, and a bunch of little pieces. And I cut then the gunnels and the chines and peels into a bunch of pieces um, using uh, hooked scarf joints. Okay. And the reason for that, kind of like uh, Japanese uh, joinery, if you've ever right. seen that, and it's a way that you can cut it to put it back together. So. Um, they fit back together and then pegged with, and with a bit of glue in the joint and it becomes, it's like uh, rehydrating noodles or something. It just kind yeah. of spring, it. Yeah. It just springs back to life yes. all of a sudden. Right. 
Uh, so really, when I got to Greenland, it took about four days to put the whole thing back together and skin it and have you it ready. Skinned it and re- resealed all. Resealed it all, yep. And there you go. And I had a kayak. It, it was a lot harder work to schlep it through Chicago, Keflavik, Reykjavik, Keflavik again, yeah. Kangaluswak, Sisimiut, and Nuuk <laughs> before I actually put it together. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really it was a challenge as well to make a kayak that get cut up and put back together. Did you got to go through Reykjavik to get to Greenland. Oh, we went to Reykjavik because that's where we rented our uh, we rented a camper van. Oh, uh, okay. We it. went to Keflavik. And then we, we stayed. We stayed in a, a hotel there, yeah. and then we did all our mm-hmm. sightseeing stuff and whatnot. Yeah, we, so. we we made it up to the West Fjords, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. The West yeah. Fjords. It's yeah. We spent uh, just over a week, put what over a thousand kilometers on a car. It's easy to do. Oh, <laughs> so easy to do. <laughs> uh, so now you're back here. Now mm-hmm. you're. You're, are you teaching people how to do some of this stuff? Uh, so here at uh, Quiet Water, we're doing some teaching, but it's mainly just about generalities about all right. this stuff. Uh, problem is there's actually too many people, okay. so we can't get everybody on the ropes safe. Right. And that's the main yeah. thing. We want everybody to be safe. Um, but they can always learn about all this stuff at the events that we do with Kayak USA. So we've got one in Michigan, we have two in Minnesota, New York, in Delaware, South Carolina, Florida, and Washington. Okay. Um, so we've got events all over, and they're, they're spread out over the course of the year. Um, and at those events, we focus a lot on kayak rolling, using traditional paddle for maneuvering and strokes and paddling. Yeah. And it's a and it's a big family gathering, basically. We all get together and do what we love to do. Right. And you don't have to go to Greenland to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit cheaper. The water's a little warmer, usually. So you find there's a there's like a main core of people and this is this is their passion, Greenland paddling. Yeah, and well, and it's on a sliding scale too. So you have the fanatics like me, you know, travel there and we build all our own equipment and stuff. But there's also people that have you know a 14 foot little basic sea kayak and they like to go and look at the birds in the river. Right. And they they found a Greenland paddle and they really like it because it's lighter to use on the wrists. So they have a shoulder problem and it just alleviates. That sort of thing makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's everywhere in between. Now we were talking earlier about uh, the evolution of all this stuff. Yeah. And getting back to stuff like this with the Greenland paddle and all mm-hmm. that. We talked to a fellow last year, and he's given a whole scientific explanation of Greenland paddles and uh-huh. and all that. And you gotta think like they were they were using all this gear for yeah. like thousands of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, over a couple hundred years, they start changing to all these different styles of paddles and stuff like this and yeah well that's a progression that happened in their culture uh, during colonialization as well right because um, up until a few hundred years ago everybody all the greenland hunters were using you know, traditional seal skin kayak using the harpoon uh, but then as they uh, as the danish basically started to take over greenland guns became available and a gun is a lot more accurate powerful and efficient than a uh, exactly right so if nothing else the greenlanders are a supremely practical people yeah they adopted things that worked it makes sense yeah why, why risk going out on the ice flows and stuff like that and and trying to harpoon from a from a kayak platform when long shoot distance them. shooting yeah yeah and so uh, from that a lot of these techniques were almost lost um, you know, 100 years ago to 50 years ago, kayaking faded away. Uh, you know, gas motor boats 
yes. became ubiquitous in Greenland and they're ubiquitous now. Everybody, every, you walk through the streets of Nuuk, like through neighborhoods, and everybody has a boat on a stack of pallets behind their house. Right. <laughs> they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. you know, it's like a canoe in a Canadian cottage. Yeah. yeah. There's just a stack of them. Uh, and so that's one reason why traditional paddling in Greenland especially has grown in popularity is that people are realizing that it's not just an, a quaint uh, you know, hobby or sport yeah. or something. It's their history. Right. It's their way of life. It's the way of the land. Um, just like people in Canada still canoe and they still use traditional you know, otter tail paddles. Right. It's what the land is about. It's, the, it's what works. It's what it's, yeah, it's what practical. works. Yeah. It's, it's where it's what the land created. Yes. Right. Another way to think of it. Yes. So it's nice to see that there's there's groups that are keeping this alive. Yeah. You know. Uh, now. You were saying, you were just mentioning there again, the harpoon. Yeah. So if that was one of the events you had to practice, uh-huh. how did you practice a harpoon? I have a harpoon. And you just go <laughs> to the river and just start chucking at things? Well, typically, <laughs> typically not at things. Um, Looks like I do an out in the river there. <laughs> what a harpoon he's got. So, <laughs> so the, the river that I, I live uh, on uh, Lake Michigan, near Lake Michigan, and I, I'm usually paddling on the Grand River. Right. And it's a, it's a big river near the mouth, and especially in the summer, it gets pretty busy. And I, I try to you know, keep up in the bayous and the backwaters if I'm doing stuff like this, because, man... I'm, and there's a Coast Guard base right near where I paddle too, so I'm always worried <laughs> that I'll be out, you know, with my harpoon or something, and someone in a police boat is going to come rushing up, and be like, "What, what are you doing?" doing? <laughs> uh, Lake Michigan whales, officer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, funny, at, uh, at the events I was mentioning before, we'll do harpoon practice. Well, we have some people that are really good at harpoon throwing, and uh, one thing we'll do is we'll get a really long tow line, like 50 feet, and we have a, a foam block. They've carved into the shape of a seal. Okay. So it's roughly oh. the size ah, of a right seal. On. And you get someone to tow it. <laughs> and you get them moving right along, and then it's like, holy cow, this is hard. Yeah. You're trying to hit a moving target from your kayak with a harpoon. Yeah. It, man, it's so much fun to chase this <laughs> wow. around. That's crazy. That's yeah. like a new Olympic sport, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. This year in the Olympics, harpoon throwing. Yes. Huh? <laughs> so in, uh, in competition in Greenland, they have a, a, a string of buoys that are a meter apart, and you throw for distance. Right. Okay. That's the first one. And then uh, they have a ring, a floating ring for accuracy. So it's okay. like two meters in diameter with a couple inner rings, and you know you get more points the closer to the bullseye you get. Right. So, so like some, darts on water. There you go. Except, <laughs> a except big it, darts. It's playing, it's playing flat on the water when you yes. throw it, too. Yeah. So that, that's tough. <laughs> you can't see the, the bullseye. Pretty much. Like, wow. It's, I think it's there. Yeah. And close your eyes and hope for the best. Yeah, you, you mortar this thing. I mean, so, And uh, just so people get an idea of this harpoon, it's about two meters long, um, and it tapers um, the, the business end. Uh, do English units about two inches, two and a half inches in diameter, and it tapers down to about one inch on the tail. End. Okay, so it's a long taper, and then on the end is a head um, that is held on by a couple other straps, and then a, uh, a, a barbed tip goes on that and it's attached by a little strap. So when it hits the animal, it releases the barbed head, there you with go, a line on it, right? And then it's like jaws, yeah, you're going you get, for a rat, yeah, you get a harp, well, you get a harpoon into it, and then you throw a hunting club. And you chase the float. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, just another step now, of safety in there. Are are people still doing for real? There there are some people in Greenland that still hunt from kayaks. Okay. Uh, they're they're few and far between, but there are some. 
uh, I mean, everybody hunts with a rifle still, right. but um, harpoons are actually still used a lot in uh, in seal hunting and wal- whale hunting in Greenland. Okay. Because if you shoot a seal and it, you kill it, it'll sink. Right. Yeah, okay. So if you See. shoot it, you have to get a harpoon into it quick or else it's going to sink and you're going to lose it. Got it. So they still use like uh, a shadow of the former original technique. Yeah, right. Equipment. But I mean, it's just like like here, you know, you get all the deer hunters out there with the guns, but there are deer <laughs> hunters out there that use like compound bows. Yeah, or, 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 uh, yeah, or, uh, or, or, or a recurve bow or long bows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That sort of thing. So same, it's same kind of idea. Yeah. It just it requires cool. another level of skill above using a rifle. Right. And so so Kayak USA, they're they're taking all these different skills and. And keeping them all alive, and, and like you say, you can teach people and that yeah. sort of stuff. Do you have a website if people want to go check it out? Yeah, so the website is kayakusa.org, uh, Q-A-J-A-Q-U-S-A. And it's, in my opinion, it's the best single source of traditional paddling knowledge on the web. I mean, there's people that have blogs and videos and stuff, but this is the, the, a, a full collection. Right. Of it. We huh. have info about the events we run, paddling techniques, rolling, Greenland ropes, like I've been talking about. All these things, uh, a forum, and just, yeah, it's a really great source for at least to get your feet wet and learn. Holy cow, there's a lot more than just paddling with these weird things. Oh yeah, right. There's yeah. all these this other depth to it. Right, that's awesome. Uh, and as an extra <laughs> bonus, <laughs> well, shameless self promotion time. Shameless, shameless to self promotion. Track pilot. Brand ambassadors. Yeah. What's that all about? So, uh, Track Kayaks uh, just recently released a new one, but it's a it's a skin-on-frame, a modern skin-on-frame kayak, basically. But the, the catch is that you can collapse it, and it goes into something about the size of a, of a golf bag. Okay. But bigger than a golf bag. Um, and it folds up nice, and then you can uh, travel with it, you can fly with it, it's oversized luggage. Right. And reassemble it in 10, 15 minutes. And be ready to paddle. And if, if you're any paddlers out there listening, I'd say it kind of feels like a uh, an explorer or Romany, something kind of British. Okay. Uh, expedition British kayak. Um, something really cool about it too is it has these uh, three hydraulic pumps in it, so you can stretch the gunnels or the keelson. Oh. So you can change the shape of the kayak oh. while you're in it. Huh. It's pretty wicked. So you can be paddling along if you want to just go touring. You can flatten that thing right now. Right? Yeah. Cruise along. Yeah, yeah, cruise along with a lot of water line. Go, oh, hey, there's a surf break. <clears throat> Crank up the rocker, turns the thing into a banana, and it becomes a pretty good surf cut. That's pretty cool. And then you get back to shore, you fold it up, and you hop in a taxi. Huh. I like that, eh? So, yeah. Uh, kayak to the sea. Yeah, so, um, mind if I tell my the backstory? Oh, sure, yeah? absolutely. Okay. So, uh, the name Kayak to the Sea, everyone's heard Paddle to the Sea. Yeah, seen, read the book, watched the movie, whatever. So as a kid, I was really inspired by that. And my, uh, when I was in college, my dad said, oh, maybe when you graduate here, do a long paddling trip. Maybe go to Quebec or something like that. Quebec's a beautiful place. You know, that was, oh, that would be pretty cool. I thought, I just don't want to go to Quebec. I want to paddle to Quebec. So I went to school in Sault Ste. Marie. And uh, about a week after I graduated, I hopped in my kayak and followed the St. Mary's River down to Lake Huron. Right. Across the north shore of Lake Huron, up the French River um, to North Bay, up Mattawa River, Ottawa River, down to the St. Lawrence, and out to uh, St. Anne de Beaupre. Okay. Basically where salt water and fresh water meets. Meet, yeah. Um, and that was that was, uh, that was my big trip. And that's where my name, Kayak to the Sea, came from. Cool. So that's my, my handle on 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I have a, an ongoing uh, blog series on YouTube about uh, my trip to Greenland. Cool. So if people wanted to watch your YouTube stuff... Kayak to the sea. Just kayak to the sea. Yeah. That's awesome. You'll find me in there eventually. I've got some uh, uh, instructional videos too about Greenland ropes on there and also uh, some rolling videos, rolling instruction. Right. Uh, what I do, I feel I do really do the best is to take people that know how to roll and get them to roll their kayaks better. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a polisher. <laughs> um, and so I've got a video on there that has really helped a lot of people and I hope to... You know, if anything, I just want people to be safer on the water. And yes. It's a good way to, exactly. to spread the word about it. Right. Awesome. So, Tim Galloway of Kayak USA. I keep... Yeah. It just throws you. <laughs> just kayak. 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 Yeah. Kayak. Kayak. Uh, USA. And also of Kayak to the Sea. Track kayaks.com. You can check out most kayaks there. Uh, Tim, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having our, me, guys. I guess coming fun. in. Coming over. Coming up. Walking across walking the arena. Walking across the arena to our booth. <laughs> and yeah, if everybody wants to check out kayakusa.org and uh, check out some more stuff on Greenland paddling and kayaking, that'd be fantastic. Thanks very much, Tim. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a lot of fun. Well, those are some pretty cool interviews this week. That was awesome. It was uh, it was a great opportunity, I thought, for us to uh, to be able to sit down and, and interview some people. It was. Uh, I was blown away by the uh, Quiet Water Symposium and and the opportunity to talk to these people. So I don't know. I, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like talking to Mike Van Horn. See what he's doing there with their their symposium and they do their uh, gear swap thing and oh, all that yeah. sort of thing, which Absolutely. is pretty cool. Yeah. Rob and Sue's trip through the canyons. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty that's cool. one of those places you see the pictures of and think, yeah, I'd love to go down yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's but the logistics of it, I don't think I could ever make it happen for myself. No, but you could take your whole family. Yes, that would work. That yeah, would when work. Your kids are older, yeah. so we teach yeah. one of them to. Well, even if if uh, Siobhan can stern one of the boats. Yes. Yeah. Then you got. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Get yeah. the kids in the bows and uh, uh, both of us sterning. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Yeah. There you go, buddy. Yeah. And then uh, Tim. Talking to Tim, that was great. That was that was cool. That's <laughs> kind of neat. Um, like I say, I saw him at Canucopia as well, and I tried his uh, balance board there. Yeah, how'd and, that go? Uh, it went well. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, <laughs> I was, uh, I call it what I say. I was teaching him how to, uh, showing him how easy it was to roll to the left and to the right, <laughs> and he was saying, "You're losing your balance and falling over." Tomato, tomato. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was really cool. But yeah, you know what? It was really neat to hear all the speakers. It was really neat to be able to get people to come to our booth and actually record them and hear what they had to say. Yeah. Right from the horse's mouth, yeah. so to speak. And uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the whole experience. Like I say, my, my biggest fear was getting there and recording all this and like we do here in the studio yeah. and then getting back with the 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 audio and going yeah it's crap because you don't <laughs> but, know if you've yeah. it, it was it was something totally well, we new just for us didn't to do know. Yeah. we just didn't know but yeah. it turned out so nicely yeah yeah really really uh, how cool. did you, how did you compare it to what did you say it sounded like well, um, antique road show oh yeah yes. yeah yeah was, when we watch the antique road show you yeah. hear the the people talking about yeah, the stuff you can hear you the hear murmur the and the burble in the background yeah. but the clarity the clarity and the clearness of the voices of the people who are being talked to about whatever 
piece, piece of they brought junk in. that they That's brought right. in. And it's like, it was, yeah, it's exactly the paddling roadshow. Yeah, the paddling roadshow. That's road show. awesome. <laughs> we should we can take that on a road. Yeah. Make millions <laughs> of dollars. Millions. Millions and billions. So <laughs> that was cool. You know what? The whole experience was something new and we've we've already got the invite to come back next year. And yes, I'm so excited about that. And do a booth and set up yeah. again. And uh, hopefully I think this next year we'll be able to... Um, Sit down with a lot more people. Yes. Because it, it was something new and trying to figure out the timing and scheduling. And like I say, we had Cliff Jacobson right next to us and we never got a chance to talk to him because whenever <laughs> we weren't busy, <laughs> the logistics, he was, yeah, yeah. or he was doing one of his talks. Yeah. And then when he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs, we're in the middle of an interview. Yeah. So, you know, like I say, it's, it's hit or miss, but at least like I say, we got, a, we got a few, uh, a couple of shows out of it and a yeah, few, few interviews. It was impressive. So. It'll be uh, great to see what we can do next year. And every week, I'm always impressed with how much, you know, m- more knowledgeable I am. How much I grow from every every little interview, every little bit that we do. It's like this is uh, it's really expanding my knowledge and experience of the paddling world. Yeah, and you know, it's cool. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah, learning and moving on. Exactly. And yeah, and sharing to, that knowledge yeah. and helping others. Yeah, yeah. You sound like Mother Teresa. <laughs> Mother Derek, <laughs> you're going for Pope. Yes. So. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the the last couple episodes the, uh, of uh, at the Quiet Water Symposium as much as we did uh, doing it. Like I yes. say, we've learned how to do this sort of thing now, so that's pretty cool. And uh, we'll get a chance. We'll be definitely doing this sort of thing again. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want to listen to this iPod or this um, episode and there's 160 others, yeah, because this is 161, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all the other podcast platforms that you choose to listen through. You can also find us on the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com. So thank you very much for uh, listening, everybody. And we will listen to you next week, or you'll listen to us next week. <laughs> yeah. It's Somebody's going to listen to us. Yeah, it's been a long week, buddy. It's it three weekends in a row, like yes, massive yes. weekends in a row. Which is so. why I didn't really want to go to Canucopia. It was just too much. Oh, dude. It's, <laughs> it was, yeah, I'm still recovering, let me tell you. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Dark Specht. We'll see you next time.